do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12:2. This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. In 1906, Theodore Roosevelt became the first politician and the first American to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. He had negotiated a peace treaty between the Russian Tsar and the Japanese emperor ending the destructive Russo-Japanese War and ensuring the autonomy of both Manchuria and Korea. It also resolved a long-standing territorial and border dispute between the United States and Mexico through persistent and arduous arbitration. Even so, many political observers saw the award as the height of irony. Roosevelt had often been castigated by his critics for his speak softly and carry a big stick foreign policy, He was perceived by them as a military mad imperialist. They accused him of reckless impetuousness, ambitious adventurism, and hot-headed warmongering in the all-too-delicate domain of international affairs. To be sure, Roosevelt was plain-spoken in his pronouncements about the necessity of war and the danger of peace in certain circumstances. Peace is generally good in itself, he argued, but it is never the highest good unless it comes as the handmaiden of righteousness, and it becomes a very evil thing if it serves merely as a mask for cowardice and sloth, or as an instrument to further the ends of despotism or anarchy." Though he had seen the horrors of war firsthand when he led his Rough Riders in the famous charge up Cuba's San Juan Hill during the Spanish-American War, he believed it was all too often necessary to win what he called a just peace. Quite naturally, many men and women across the country feared that once he attained the office of the presidency— the nation would be perpetually mired in one misbegotten military adventure after another, but that simply was not the case. In fact, the two Roosevelt administrations were among the most peaceful and harmonious in American history. A reporter once asked the president about this paradox. He asserted that his military policy was designed to enforce peace, through strength. As he said, I only advocate preparation for war in order to avert war, and I should never advocate war itself unless it were the only possible alternative to shame and dishonor. He believed that the essence of leadership was the ability to maintain great strength without any impulsive compulsion to use it That strength was to be held in reserve until 
and unless it became necessary to use it for the cause of right. I abhor unjust war, he declared. I abhor injustice and bullying by the strong at the expense of the weak, whether among nations or individuals. I abhor violence and bloodshed, but it takes strength to put a stop to abhorrent things. Roosevelt's just peace theory was a corollary of that venerable tradition in Christian ethics known as the just war theory. Attributed to Augustine of Hippo, the theory asserts that armed conflict is only moral as a last resort waged by legitimate government for moral reasons utilizing moral means and moral ends. Augustine only alluded to the necessity of just war in his magnum opus, The City of God. But he elucidated the idea in more detail in his Questions on the Heptateuch, an explanation of the Mosaic tradition in the first seven books of the Old Testament. There, he identified five scriptural constraints aimed at circumventing violence and mayhem whenever possible and minimizing violence and mayhem when conflict becomes unavoidable. First, a just war may be waged only after all hopes for peaceful alternatives have been exhausted. The use of force may only be used as a last resort. Second, a just war may only be waged as a, a second, a just war may only be waged by legitimate governing authorities. Violence and vigilantism by individuals must not be countenanced. Third, a just war may only be undertaken in response to heinous injustices. Even in the case of self-defense, righting wrongs, not mere retaliation, needs to be the aim. Humane and merciful treatment of one's enemies is essential. Fourth, a just war must not be a fool's errand or a hopeless cause. It may only be undertaken when there is a rational and strategic possibility of success. Fifth, the intention and objective of a just war must be to achieve a just peace. Indeed, the peace after the war should exceed any previous peace. According to Augustine, just war is a kind of benevolent severity and thus an act of love. It is a lamentable fact that in a fallen world filled with fallen men and their fallen cultures, injustice, oppression, persecution, discrimination, and torment abounds. The fall is the first and most basic insight of both anthropology and sociology. The world is infected by sin and populated by sinners. As a result, evil exists. No one has ever had to teach a child how to sin. 
No one has ever been dependent upon a bad environment in order to learn how to be cruel or selfish or perverse. No one has ever needed older siblings to show them the ropes of greed or pride or dishonesty. Thus, if a genuine and just peace is to be had, it will have to be won. If justice is to prevail, it would have to be enforced. That is the premise of the just war theory, or perhaps more aptly called the just peace theory. As G.K. Chesterton said, unless a man become the enemy of evil, he will not even become its slave, but rather its champion. God himself will not help us to ignore evil, but only to defy and defeat it. The great promise of the gospel is that one day just wars will no longer be needful. Christ shall come, and at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And then he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Theodore Roosevelt, invoking Augustine, declared, Wars shall cease. The city of man shall give way. The city of God in all its splendor shall prevail. Peace shall come and all will be glory. A just peace is the splendid hope of both resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and for resources, go to georgegrant.net.